2: And good morning. The Out of Bounds Show is driven by your next Ford F-150, pre-owned or new, at Mack Hike Ford I-55 North in Jackson. They've got the best selection of Ford F-150 trucks. If you are looking to upgrade or trade or go ahead and uh, buy a new one, Ford F-150 trucks, Mack Hike Ford I-55 North in Jackson. We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. We welcome in our friend Tom Luganbill, National College Football Analyst with ESPN. Nick Saban steps down, and uh, he is the GOAT, he is the legend, and he is the best to ever do it. And we've all had a blast watching what he has been able to build at both, uh, well, I guess Michigan State, but LSU and and Alabama Tom Lugan Bill when was the first time you met Nick Saban
3: I think when I was a teenager um he and my dad he was, a, he was the head coach of Toledo in 1990 and he and my dad were at a coaching clinic that I was at and I think that's the first time I met him and shook his and shook his hand um and then, obviously, over the years, through the past, you know, 19 years, I've, I've been around him a whole
2: lot. Okay, so you've been there 19 years. So, you started at ESPN while he was at LSU, right?
3: Yeah, that would be, yeah, that was correct. I started at ESPN in January of 05, and then I think what he became the head coach at Alabama in 07, if I'm not okay. mistaken.
2: And so, yeah,
3: he had been at LSU, but I didn't have games at that point. I was strictly in the studio, but right around uh, 09, 2010, around that time, um, I started to make some trips around the country. I'd visit with various staffs and just talk recruiting and talk personnel and process and things of that nature and was able to go in there uh, to Alabama in Tuscaloosa, kind of during the early years of what he was trying to establish um, every spring. So I would I'd probably go two to three days during the spring for for several years, just kind of soaking it in, learning, sharing information, and you know kind of really getting to know a lot of the the personnel side in terms of how he was trying to implement a pro personnel, player personnel department within the recruiting structure. He was the guy that started all of that before recruiting was just recruiting and your coaches did all of it and the coaches handled everything. He was the one that installed the personnel department at the college level and, and, and how that became how you actually build a program through player evaluation, because, you know, recruiting Bo used to be thought of as, as, as seasonal, right? And then all of a sudden it became a day to day, week to week, month to month thing year round. If you were going to be successful, if you had a chance to really be successful. And you take that process oriented approach with Alabama's resources, and here we are 17 years later.
2: When you were visiting with Tom Lugan Bill with the SPN, he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. When you started sitting down with him, and you're leading ESPN recruiting, and you're getting out, and you're visiting with him, um, and he's already established as a national championship coach at LSU and Mm -hmm. has been in the NFL and so on, when did you realize um, how ahead of the curve he was compared to everybody else in college football, when it came to setting up his recruiting division within his program and like you said treating it almost like um with an nfl approach as far as evaluation and so on
3: immediately when i saw his staffing that that was the thing the the manpower and the staffing everything from student assistants that were working like little worker bees in a room breaking down all of this film and all of this tape so that it eliminated the biz work for the coaches. I think that's the one thing is the streamlined process of everybody had their role, right? So you had your director of player personnel, which at the time was a guy by the name of Ed Manowitz. And then you had other people, a compliance person, an on-campus recruiting person, off-campus recruiting person an administrative recruiting person. Then you had a bunch of students, and everybody had a role with with one goal in mind, and that was when it came down to actually deciding whether you were going to actively recruit this player, those types of players were the only players that hit the coach's desk. they They weren't bombarding their coaches with players that Alabama would never recruit. So that would get already weeded through. So that when it came down to discuss it as a staff, it was always about guys that they had had identified and agreed upon. Then it wasn't about the athletic side of it, uh, Bo. It was about identifying problems, red flags. What are the what I call and what they call do critical factors at each position, meaning at at position A, position B, position C, these are these are must-haves for us. You've got to check these boxes. And then I think the one area where he did such a good job, and he did this early on, and, and this was kind of rated that time where everybody was just throwing out offers, right? And we have to offer this guy to be in the mix. We have to offer this guy to have a chance to recruit him. And his whole approach was, I want to get that player to camp before we make that decision because I want to see what he does in our presence, in our building, on our field, getting coached by our coaches. How does he respond? What's his body language like? What type of handshake does he have? Does he look you in the eye? Um, How does he respond during a camp setting if he's being coached hard or he's being yelled at? Um, Identifying all those sorts of things. So you'd have pushback from recruits initially saying, well, why would I come to your camp? You haven't offered me. And his response was, come to camp and earn the offer. Well, how players, prospects, and parents responded to that tells you an awful lot about the kid. And right. so I thought he did a really, and the staff did a really good job in that regard of kind of getting ahead of it. And and you can weed through guys. You can eliminate guys on the board. And, and I think that's the one thing. I, another thing I learned that I thought was kind of interesting, and this is where I think the Internet side of recruiting has really gotten it wrong a lot of the time is everybody wants to gauge things by how many offers a guy has, right? Well, the problem is, is an offer doesn't reflect where a guy is in terms of the board for each individual school. So if you've got eight guys on the board that you're recruiting at the, at the running back position, and you've offered all eight of them, all right, that, a guy may have 26 offers, but he might be seventh on the board doesn't mean he's the top ranked player on the board it just means he has an offer so when you're trying to gauge guys by saying well this guy's got 30 offers that may not mean he's the best guy on their board it just means that they're offering him and actively recruiting him so you can't get caught up in saying oh wow this guy we're going to rank this guy here because he has 30 offers doesn't
1: necessarily mean he's the best player step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus
2: terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So uh, we're visiting with Tom Luganville with ESPN. Um, he met Saban uh, many, well, 1990 or so, and then eventually <laughs> covers him uh, for ESPN when he gets back to Alabama from the Dolphins. Did you realize from the jump that you were you had to be a sponge when you would go to Alabama and that you were learning and that this was so cutting edge and and he was doing things that no one else was doing in college football Tom
3: Yes, but I was also very fortunate that I had had somewhat of a history in the game of football because he doesn't love a lot of people in that building and so a lot of it is kind of gaining trust and and things of that nature and you you know yeah of course you keep your mouth shut and you try to, you, you try to ask a lot of questions and I didn't get the chance to spend a lot of time with him personally in those types of settings. That was essentially in the, 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 staff room of the player personnel department and those guys. Um, but then obviously during, I'd always go during spring practice so I could watch practice and things of that nature. But uh, he's actually really good to interact with. He's got an unbelievable sense of, of humor. Um, if, if, if you allow yourself to open up to it. Um, I think one of the things that I learned that I was a little bit surprised by is he's not a long hour guy. He's a work efficiently and get the job done type of guy. He's not one of those coaches that's going to look in your office at 1230 in the morning to see if you're there working because he ain't going to be there. When you come into that building, you better be prepared to work and you better be prepared to work efficiently but he's not going to be one of those guys that's grinding you in the ground. Now his personality and the expectation might grind you into the ground,
1: <laughs> um,
3: but the hours are not going to. That's not what he is. I think there's there's a little bit of a false narrative there. You know i i can t- i can I can't tell you how many times I was there in the spring where he's at the lake in Georgia because he's got internet, he's got a laptop, he has the ability to watch film. And he can spend time, uh, you know, away from the office a little bit and still work. And he would do the same with his coaches. When you're done, when you've gotten your work done, um, nobody's telling you to stay in the building for no reason. And so um, I, that, that surprised me initially, but I also came away thinking, God, there are so many moments. And I was part of this when I was in that profession where you're in that office. And you're not getting as much work done as you think you are, right. because you're either hanging out in somebody else's office, you're BSing with other coaches, right? And and you start to realize that this doesn't have to be a 7 a.m. to 3 o'clock in the morning job if you work efficiently and smart. And that's what he really, I think, did, did a good job of.
2: Well- all right, but speaking of people who there, there were some were visiting with Tom Luganville with ESPN who covered Sabin for a long time. There obviously there were some coaches that went through there that it just didn't work. Okay, his mm-hmm. right, his um, the his approach didn't work for them. Yeah, but there are some that were able to handle it for a long period of time, yeah. and one of them is Kirby Smart. Can you expand mm-hmm. on? I mean. That's not – it's still not easy because of how demanding he is, Lukes. And also, Saban handed Kirby the keys to call – even though Saban's heavily involved on the defensive side of the football because his DB background and Don James and all that, he still allowed Kirby to call the plays. It was obvious on the sideline who was the play caller. So can you kind of expand on the fact that Kirby was able to go in – handle Saban's demands and expectations, flourish, and then and then they were able to work together at a high level for a pretty damn long time, Tom.
3: Yeah, the funny thing about it is it's funny you ask that question because, you know, Kirby's tenure there was without interruption. And I always kind of joke with guys like Salson, Siri, Will Muschamp, um, let's see, Bobby Williams for a little bit there, a couple other guys that had been with him multiple times, but it's almost like they need to take a little break right? and they go off somewhere else, but they end up coming back. It's like they just need a little bit of a reprieve and and Kirby never, never needed that. You, you, and I'm sure you've heard, you know, Nick Staben talk about this, but high achievers don't like mediocre people and mediocre people don't like high achievers. Mm-hmm. You have to understand when you take a job there that the level of achievement that is expected is gonna be beyond the norm that most people think is expected. And if you accept that and understand that, you won't have a problem working there. Um, now with that comes a constant level of scrutiny, critique, criticism, excuse the phrase, could get MF'd at any given time <laughs> At any given period, for whatever reason he deems necessary. Okay, that's that's just part of the deal.
2: Right. So
3: I think with him having thick skin as a coach was really important. And you either did or you or you didn't. And if you didn't, you probably struggled, struggled to survive. Um, you know, in, in in that world with him. And I think that's where Kirby understood that he could handle that. He knew it was probably going to happen on a, day, on a day-to-day basis. But over the course of time, I think he garnered so much equity with Coach Saban because he knew he could trust him, and it will allow Coach Saban to go address other areas. And if you notice, around the time he started turning things over to, to Kirby is when Alabama started to evolve on offense. I think Coach Saban really started to look – at the offensive side of the football differently when the game started changing, the spread, the zone read, the mobile quarterback and realizing why am I getting my tail kicked by this? If we're not going to do it by ourselves. So they went out and they changed and they went out, they became more dynamic and they became more difficult to handle. And all the while they did it without losing their toughness, without losing that mentality of grinding you into the ground as an opponent. So, um, I think that trust in Kirby allowed him to be more of an overseer and be more involved. Um, And I think he's felt the same way with Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele and him go back so far that there's an innate trust there, and it's one of the reasons why he's always looked to bring him
0: back because he knows he can trust him. Okay, round two, name something that's not boring. Laundry? (sighs) Ooh, a book club! (sighs) Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: Tom Luganbill with ESPN on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line, driven by your next Ford F 150 from from Mack Hike Ford, I 55 North in Jackson, sharing stories of the GOAT and the legend Nick Saban, who retired from the University of Alabama uh, yesterday. Uh, Tom, do you think this is it? Do you expect him to coach again?
3: No, I don't think he'll coach again. In fact, uh, you know, I've always felt, and I felt this way up until the last two years, and I hadn't let's see Alabama three or four times the last couple of years, including the sugar bowl. You could tell he, he was tired, not from his age and not from the game. He was tired because of what the game has now become over the last three to four years. And I just don't think at his age. I don't think he was getting the enjoyment of all of the other things involved in the game right now that are outside of recruiting and outside of coaching, and I don't blame him. I think what's happened in our college game right now is turning more young coaches away from this game, and they're all going into the NFL if they can find a place. Yeah. Because name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, the extra COVID year, the fact that there are—it's the wild, wild west out there. I just think he'd had enough. And, and like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't blame him in, in that regard because it's become something. But I don't know if it's overly sustainable. Um, and it's going to come to a head sooner or later. And so I, I just think he was a bit worn out, man. And uh, I think he he's really, really good on television. Because as brilliant as he is as an X's and O's person, he has a really good way of explaining things in the norm, right, where it's not going above your head. And, um, and I think that's why television will be a fun fit for him. It will keep him in the game, probably go on the speaking circuit and make a bunch of money. Um, and so we'll see where it goes, but I've, I've said this all along with, with my dealings with him, because I think, you know, everybody talks about the process and everybody talks about recruiting, but there are two things that stand out to me with, with him is it's always been players over plays, Right. It's not the, the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. And if you think that's wrong, go look at Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. Right. Okay. It is always about the players. He's always understood that. Number two, and this is where I think his greatest gift is. He has always been able to get young people to respond to success, not adversity, not criticism. That's one thing in and of itself. I'm talking success sustained success, where you have literally created an error about you that's almost impossible to sustain, especially in today's era with the internet and the distractions and the clutter and the praise and the adulation, to get 18 to 21, 18 to 22-year-old kids to play at their best when everybody's telling them how good they are and not fall victim to complacency. I think is the single greatest trait that he has in profession.
2: Well said. Tom Luganbill with ESPN on the Out of Bounds Show, brought to you by both Havana Smoke Shops for your premium sticks this weekend for wild card weekend in the NFL. Okay, Lukes, uh, I know you're about to go on vacation for a week, uh, well-deserved. By the way, that was well put. But I have to ask you just who you think – You know, everybody's got Dan Lanning on their mind. And that, to me, I know Greg Byrne. We still talk. Uh, We still text a lot. He came through here. He did a magnificent job at Mississippi State. Um, You know, I've been able to break bread with him, spend time with him, eat steaks, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I've always said Greg is a ready-shoot-aim guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if he has somebody hired by this afternoon, tomorrow at the latest, he told the team 72 hours, which did not surprise me or you. So if I go yeah. Kalen DeBoer from Washington, Dabo Swinney from Clemson, Dan Lanning from Oregon, and Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss, eh, you may want to throw in somebody. Maybe maybe Brahms a, a wild card. But anyway, let's go with those four. And maybe you have someone else. Who do you think is going to be the next coach at Alabama?
3: Um, I, I think the initial target is Dan Lanning. Now, I say that and I always chuckle to myself because it's like following Bobby Knight, right? You don't want to be the guy that follows the legend. You want to be the guy after that. And and unfortunately, somebody is going to take this job. And I think the importance of understanding the infrastructure and the layout and the expectation of what that job is going to entail after the last 17 years, you have to look at a Dan Lanning very hard because he's done it not only – as an assistant in Alabama, but then did it as an assistant under different direction and leadership. Although obviously a lot of similarities under Kirby Smart at the University of Georgia, and I think that's important. I think his age helps him because it's a destination job where you could have long-term viable stability, um, and not you know be in a situation where you're bringing somebody on board that maybe doesn't understand. The internal expectation they think they do, but they haven't lived it. I think you got to target guys that have lived it, and Dan Manning has.
2: Okay, uh, I've only got a minute or two. Were, were you surprised? I, I know he's he's got this auto dealership empire. He's got plenty of money. You mentioned grandkids. I still thought he. Mm-hmm. I just thought he would go almost to the end. I thought he'd go to at least seventy five, seventy six. Were you? Were you surprised at all yesterday with the news?
3: If you if you'd have asked me this question three years ago, I would have told you I was stunned because I've always felt that he would go as long as his health allowed him to. Mm-hmm. But I think what the game has turned into, it it I don't know how enjoyable it is for him anymore. And mm-hmm. uh and I and I say that there are factors at play now in recruiting or even with your own roster management that you never even fathomed you would be dealing with and if that was not a part of the equation I don't think yesterday would have happened
2: okay and you feel like we'll see him on tv a little bit
3: oh absolutely there ain't no doubt about that
2: man have a great time in Colorado enjoy the slopes we'll talk soon okay
3: will do buddy thanks for having me see you
2: Tom Lugan Bill National College Football Analyst with ESPN. He joined us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Bundle your car and home and save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent right now. Go to favorites.com, F-A-V-E, Favorites.com and save in four minutes or less. Want to say good morning, welcome in. Wild, wild sports day yesterday. It will continue to bleed into the weekend. Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, All gone within 16 hours. I've got a story for you. First year Saban was at the University of Alabama, spent a week in Tuscaloosa, ran into his first offensive coordinator, Major Applewhite. It's a pretty good story. I'll tell it when we come back. Step into
1: the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family